You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Breaking glass and roaring flames as a major fire destroys seven businesses and one home in Vancouver's Carisdale neighborhood. The building's all a write off, and the demolition began almost immediately. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. The neighborhood is reeling after several businesses burned up in a stubborn fire overnight, and they wasted no time tearing it down. Jill Bennett is live in Carisdale, and Jill, investigators know where it started, but do they know why? Chris, the exact cause of the fire is still under investigation. They do know it started in an alcove just behind the building. And in fact, the only thing still standing is that charred tree in the alcove. A pizza place that has been part of this Carisdale block for almost 10 years, destroyed by fire and torn down in just minutes. I was here. Um, I saw the fire on the clothing store and then moved to the, uh, the ice cream roof. And then I told the firefighter that my store has gas. Several businesses along 41st Avenue near Maple and one apartment were destroyed Thursday evening. The fire spread quickly. Dozens of firefighters battled it for hours. If you look in between the building, you'll see an open area. And yeah. you've, got a, you've got a tree there. And that, that's, that, that's our area of origin. Crews say the fire started in an alcove. That's now part of the investigation. A drone was used to survey the damage. The 42-year-old man in the apartment watched as his home of 20 years went up in flames. He was able to save his pet python and two large dogs. So he carried both a Doberman and a Mastiff out of that apartment? One at a time. But yeah, um, threw him on the shoulder, ran past the flames and went out. Yeah, so he didn't suffer any burns, luckily. I don't know how. This is the pride and joy. Fire crews were even able to go in hours later and retrieve this priceless piece of sports memorabilia for the tenant. Friday morning, the owners of the tailoring business returned to try and salvage what they could. Do you have insurance? Mm, No, I don't have. Flames ripped through seven businesses, but stopped at the brick wall side of the neighborhood Salvation Army thrift store. We understand that there's been significant water and smoke damage at our thrift store location here on Carousel, yes. But while the thrift store will reopen, the other buildings are now gone. The demolition took just a few hours. And Chris, that demolition, amazing to watch. Crews moved in. They had that building leveled in just a few hours. We saw a barbecue, television, appliances being torn down. The tenant, again, lived there for more than 20 years. His family has now actually set up a GoFundMe page. It is at GoFundMe, Jesse's new home fund. They're hoping to raise some money to help him rebuild. Chris? All right, Jill. Thanks very much. Jill Bennett in Vancouver. Now to Victoria. Fire crews. And a fireboat there called out this afternoon to put out a blaze on a barge full of crushed cars. The fire burned for several hours. No one was injured. This is the same place a barge tipped back in 2015, spilling more than 50 wrecks right into the water. A lot of people have been wondering when our real summer will begin. And the answer is right now. Environment Canada putting out a special weather statement warning that'll warn us about a record-shattering weekend. Jennifer Palma is live at Burnaby's Deer Lake with the details on this mini summer heat wave. Jennifer. 
Yeah, it does feel nice out here. I have to say the breeze, the wind that's coming in, it is welcome. And take a look at these beautiful waters, people enjoying Deer Lake, even the Canada geese for this first summer weekend. We've been waiting for summer. After the cool, wet weather we've had, the sun and warmth is welcome. Absolutely terrific, and it's a beautiful day to be in Vancouver, walking along the beach. Paddle boarding in the beautiful sunshine. We wait all year for this type of weather, right? So we're happy. However, Environment Canada has put out a special weather statement. Warning temperatures are going to get hot this weekend throughout the metro area, and that has a lot of people concerned about health and safety, since hot weather can leave the body unable to cope with heat. When it gets really hot, people can be at risk. In general, if you take precautions to stay safe, you will be okay. But staying cool is really important. Hot weather can be a problem for some, especially those with chronic health conditions and young children. Also at risk, those on the streets. The Union Gospel Mission is making sure everyone is hydrated and taking in shade. Excellent, bro. Uh, the, the temptation in the summer months is for people to stay outside because they don't feel that urgent need to get out of the cold. But a lot of people don't realize that the heat can be just as dangerous and it has been deadly. So while you're out there, break out the sunscreen and take care. And maybe consider this advice. Staying cool means staying safe. Take it easy. Seek shade. Seek air conditioning. Drink lots of water. So if it's hot, just bring a hat, put sunscreen on. Bring some ice water. Some shade under a nice big tree. No shortage of those in this city, so. A little bit of shade, and if you can get to the water, get in the water. All good advice, and as you can see, a lot of people here taking uh, that advice as well. But here's another reminder. If you're going out with your pets or your kids this weekend, don't leave them in a hot car. That, of course, can be fatal. Chris, back to you. All right, good reminder. Thanks very much, Jennifer. Let's turn to Christy Gordon right now. has been watching the numbers to see how hot it'll get. Christy. Chris, it's not the 50 degrees that hit California this week, but it still could be dangerous. It's the first big heat wave of the year, and it could break records. Now, the South Coast will see 32 degrees, possibly even more, away from the water, and the interior and Kootenai regions could hit 35 degrees plus. Now, the heat will last all weekend long, but Sunday certainly will be the hottest. When I come back, though, some relief on Monday. Does this mean rain? All right, we'll check in a little bit later. Thanks, Christy. And it will be nice to be near the water, but travel to and from the Gulf Islands could be a slow go this weekend. BC Ferry says the Queen of Nanaimo has propeller trouble, and they've taken it out of service. No word on how long it's going to take to fix it. Anyone who has a reservation will have to travel through Swartz Bay to get to the southern Gulf Islands. The new Salish Eagle remains in service, but it has a smaller capacity. A busy summer weekend in Vancouver's Bar District. The debate continues over the city's proposed new liquor policy. Bar owners will get a little more time to prepare for a pilot project that limits re-entry to clubs an hour before closing time. But as Paul Johnson explains, they still don't like it. Large, drunk, rowdy crowds all hitting the streets at the same time. It tends to have predictable outcomes. Good solutions have been elusive, but officials in Vancouver now think they've got an idea for the city's Granville Street Entertainment District, where the police bill is now more than a million a year. To try to have a little bit more of a slow um, 
drip, if you will, of people leaving in the evening. Um, so it's not a, a rush of people just at closing hour. It's a concept known as last entry. Cut off new entrance to the bar an hour before last call. Theoretically, you've got fewer hooligans on the streets when it's time to go. Sydney, Australia has tried it, and the results appear positive. But is it right for Vancouver? So our reaction to it was kind of shock. Jeff Gwynyard speaks for those bars on Granville Street. They say they were blindsided by the idea that it would hurt business in their most profitable hour and for questionable results. It's an approach that simply doesn't work, right? I mean, uh, all you're doing is really just uh, steering customers into different places. The city of Vancouver had initially planned to launch the project July 1st, but they've now decided to talk more with the bars and start it sometime in the next three months as a one-year pilot project. On the weekends, it's become a zoo. Downtown resident Paul Jordan would like to see things improved, though after 14 years of living a block from Granville, he's skeptical. I think it's somewhat typical of the, of, of the city council that they... They look at issues and they put some blanket policy down and don't really think it through in terms of how it's going to affect everybody or what, 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 what it might change as a consequence. Paul Johnson, Global News. A new report into that horrifying fatal stabbing in an Abbotsford school last year makes a number of recommendations to better protect students. Ramina Dea has the details and Ramina, this is an extensive report. 31 recommendations, Chris, on how to improve safety at the school. Reaction from students and parents mixed on whether the findings go far enough. When first responders arrived, they discovered 13-year-old Letitia Reimer bleeding in the rotunda of Abbotsford Senior Secondary. Paramedics, unaware a second student, had also been stabbed. The teen held up in a classroom where no one could call for help because there was no phone, intercom or cell phone service. I honestly don't think they're doing enough. I think that they should be having every, they, we should ha be having police at the doors. Parents reacting to disturbing details just divulged in a new report by the Abbotsford School District. Seven months after a stranger, 21-year-old Gabriel Brandon Klein entered the school through the adjacent public library. Reimer was killed. The other students suffered serious injuries. Is it a concern for you that the public can access the school through the library? Uh, I guess a little bit. It would be nice to have a wall up there because no other high schools have public access. feel a lot safer that way. A physical barrier between the school and public library, just one of 31 recommendations just released by the district. Other measures include a review of cell phone coverage at all schools and equipping classrooms with first aid kits. You don't think these recommendations go far enough? No, no, not when it comes to kids. It's they should start. always keep our kids safe. Nothing's too extreme when it comes to safety of kids. Crown Council now moving ahead with a direct indictment. No preliminary hearing, which means this case is going straight to Supreme Court. Klein is facing two charges, second-degree murder and aggravated assault. Since the deadly attack, a security guard now patrols the front entrance. Students tell us they already feel safe, but additional precautions wouldn't hurt. It's too early to say how many recommendations will be implemented and when. District staff still need time to review the report and talk to police before a final decision is made. Chris. All right. Thank you, Romina. 
A brand new home that could be bulldozed. It's on the market for almost $3 million, has a Lamborghini parked out front. It looks like an impressive development, but West Vancouver's mayor and council say it should be torn down. What the owners did that got neighbors and council so angry in just over a minute. London fire investigators discover the cause of the spark that started the Grenfell Tower disaster. Where it all started, coming up on the news hour. The city of West Vancouver is threatening to bring in the wrecking ball to punish a homeowner who allegedly ignored the rules when he built his house. Global's Ted Chernecki is in front of the home that could soon be bulldozed. Ted. So this is the house in question. Asking price about $2.6, $2.7 million, something like that. Never sold, and for a lot of good reasons, as the city of West Vancouver wants everyone to know about. There's a Lamborghini parked on the street out front, and there's a Ferrari parked inside with a garage door wide open, but no one was answering the door when we tried. It's a definite improvement, this house, to the tiny bungalow that was there four years ago, but don't look too close. Or rather, the District of West Vancouver does want everyone to look at it closely. The council report outlines an egregious um, you know, flouting of our processes. At this past Monday's council meeting, staff presented a report on some of the alleged deficiencies of this home and asked members what they should do to try and enforce compliance. 120-page report that staff gave to council, they were obviously shocked that something could get this far down the road uh, with as many issues. Neighbours wanted to be at council to make sure the city heard their concerns about drainage issues that they believe were coming from the property in question. So it all goes down and it all all ends up in the two adjacent properties. This area has a groundwater problem. Each one of our uh, six units here has um, a sump. They are pumping probably every 15 or 20 minutes, they're pumping a number of gallons. Irrigated landscaping was one of the many features listed when this home went on the market. Described as a gorgeous brand new modern design with a thermidor kitchen, granite counters, three gas fireplaces and so on. But the city claims there were several stop orders during construction that were ignored, that the original house was demolished and the new one occupied both without permits. At council's meeting, it was suggested a wrecking ball be used to solve the problem. Council needs to think about what to do next. Um, There's really no way to speculate on what that'll be or when. So, of course, now the big question is how serious is that threat? Would they really bring a wrecking ball in here and knock this thing down? West Vancouver says the threat is real. We'll find out. Back to you. We sure will. All right. Thanks, Ted. A B.C. woman moves ahead with a lawsuit against Facebook and a dramatic rescue caught on camera. It's very cold. Very, very cold. A young woman plucked from a raging river in Sycamus, but what happened after that really surprised her. And a home that seemed to stick out like a sore thumb when it was built, now back on the market. The Supreme Court of Canada has sided with a B.C. woman that wants to take on social media giant Facebook. Deborah Duez wants to file a class action lawsuit after Facebook used her name and profile picture to endorse a company that she'd pressed the like button on. The advertising format is no longer used, but she wants to sue for violation of her privacy anyway. Originally, the Provincial Court of Appeals said she had to go to California, where the company is based, to file the case, but the Supreme Court says that she can go ahead with it right here in B.C. 
A Kelowna woman's fall into the icy rapids has landed her in hot water on social media. The 22-year-old was rescued from an Okanagan Creek earlier this month. It was all caught on camera. And now, as Doris Bregalisi reports, she's caught the attention of some online trolls. It's crazy. Like, it's so... I didn't realize how easy it would be to drown. This 22-year-old woman who doesn't want to be identified was visiting Two Mile Falls June 11th when her so-called simple hike took a dramatic turn. I happened to go down the path by myself, and I just misstepped off a rock and fell backwards. The waters of Sycamus Creek were fast and high. The water just kind of forces itself like into your mouth and up your nose. She traveled quite a distance in the frigid rapids. Went down approximately two 10-foot waterfalls and then about another 40 or 50 feet to where she ended up on the rock. And that's where the whole ordeal began to unfold on video. Managed to keep myself um, calm and in the, when I was in the water, at least. Her boyfriend wasn't nearby, but quickly realized something was wrong when he returned from the car. He came back down um, and saw where I was, um, and then he ended up calling 911. Rescuers say the woman was very lucky. We were concerned that you know, if she fell off, she was going to be in really, really serious prob- trouble. While fire crews are trained for swift water rescue, they weren't prepared for the dangers of Sycamus Creek. Eagle Valley Rescue's rope team were called in. They just did a phenomenal job. You know, once I saw them there, I knew I was going to be fine. And she was fine, only suffering hypothermia from her 45 seconds in the chilly rapids. She's thankful crews were able to come when they did. There's just no words to say how much, how grateful I am to them. The spark that started it all. London investigators say they found where the Grenfell Tower fire started and new testing may explain why it spread so fast. And wait for it, spectacular video of a whale so close you could almost touch it. Officials in London confirming the cause of that devastating apartment fire. It was sparked by a fridge freezer. The Hot Point fridge freezer has never been recalled. Whirlpool, which owns the brand in Europe, is cooperating with authorities to help determine why it happened. Investigators also reviewing companies involved in the tower's recent refurbishment cladding. The cladding placed on the building during the renovation has failed safety tests conducted as part of the probe. Police say anyone found uh, negligent could face manslaughter charges. The disaster killed at least 79 people. Parts of the U.S. Southeast are dealing with the remnants of Cindy. The tropical storm slammed into the Gulf Coast yesterday. It was downgraded to a tropical depression, but Cindy left considerable damage in her path. In Alabama, a tornado touched down close to Birmingham, leaving businesses flattened and debris scattered. Many areas are flooded and thousands are still without power. And the threat isn't over yet. Unsettled weather is expected to last through the weekend before drying up next week. Actor Johnny Depp is backtracking tonight after comments about the U.S. president got him in some hot water. The Hollywood heavyweight was in the U.K. for the Glastonbury Festival when he made the attempted humor. But as many have learned before, in the days of social media, nothing slips under the radar. Johnny Depp on stage at a music festival in the U.K. when, apparently speaking in jest, he referred to assassinating President Trump. Where this is going to be in the press will be horrible. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? 
now, I want to I, I, I clarify, I'm not an actor. I lie for a living. However, it's been a while. And maybe it's time. Depp's comments lighting up social media overnight. One tweet, Secret Service, are you listening? Another, Disney, you might want to rethink your relationship with Johnny Depp. And it was just last month, another Hollywood celebrity, Kathy Griffin, posted a video of herself holding a fake severed head of President Trump. The backlash cost the comedian an endorsement deal, her New Year's Eve gig with CNN, and cancelled tour dates. Johnny Depp has parodied Mr. Trump before, but Depp clearly knew his assassination comments would be controversial. Now, we did reach out, and there was no response from Johnny Depp or on social media. Now, it's possible that he was referring to Abraham Lincoln's assassination in 1865. Of course, his killer was the actor, John Wilkes Booth. At one point, Depp saying, it's just a question. I'm not insinuating anything. But it's not clear whether that was a reference to the assassination comments. Back to you. Depp has now apologized for those comments, telling People magazine they were in poor taste and didn't come out as intended. Well, we've seen a lot of whales putting on a show for boaters, but they don't get any closer than this one caught on camera. A couple of Jersey boys boating near the Verrazano Narrows Bridge when this humpback breaches close enough that they could have reached out and touched it. Left behind in the boat, check it out, a fish that had been washed in by the wave generated by the whale. Summer travel season is upon us, and nothing can hinder a vacation like jet lag. Many travelers have their own magic cures, but what actually works? John Waugh has a few tips. Staying sharp is a big part of Zachary Yang's job. A lot harder to do when jet lag is taking its toll. You're just trying to pick up your feet and just get through the day where you're just pretty much trying to find a couch the whole time. Yang and his girlfriend, Debbie Chan, back from a 10-day trip to Taiwan. When it comes to the time shift, the hairstylist and flight attendant tackle it very differently. My number one rule is to sleep when you're tired. Just sleep as much as you can. Stay up all the way till probably about midnight and then go back to sleep. One thing everyone agrees on, it's one of the toughest parts of long-distance travel. It is terrible, especially uh, when you've got... Uh, the kids in tow. We were waking up in like the middle of the night. Oh, that kills me. So what's the solution? One method only starting to see the spotlight. There's no magic pill. There's no magic solution for that. But you can make the jet lag faster by exposing yourself to the right uh, light and darkness keys. The way light therapy works to reduce the effects of jet lag is by copying the light and dark cycle of the place you're leaving. Except if you're heading west, you want to expose your eyes to both a little bit later. If you're heading east, it's the opposite, cheating the cycle earlier. Either way, the biological clock can only be reset about two hours a day. I think the big misconception is that um, you can toughen it out. Cheating the light and dark cycle can be done using sunglasses and a seasonal affective disorder or sad lamp. As little as 20-30 minutes can be really, really helpful. For Yang, his days of fighting to stay awake with scissors in his hands I'm not bleeding yet. <laughs> are hopefully over. John Hua, Global News. All good. And you can find more jet lag tips on our website at globalnews.ca slash bc. Hopefully you can get some rest.
It's an unforgettable image from Superstorm Sandy, the Jersey Shore roller coaster destroyed by the waves. And now, five years later, what it took to rebuild. And our neighbors finally warming up to the Cube House, Vancouver's architectural outlier, and why you may see more of them. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The Vancouver home that divided a neighborhood is up for sale. Will the Cube House find a buyer? That story coming up. And Zola the Dancing Gorilla makes a huge splash. And it's not the first time either. Wait till you see her moves right after the weather forecast with Christy. Christy, it's the Peach City Beach Cruise out in Penticton. Oh, okay. All that chrome, all those beautiful cars. Shining in the sunshine, I would imagine. Yes, and in the heat. They'll need water, that's for <laughs> sure, right, on the cement there. Uh, you know, Chris, it's the first weekend of summer, and we were certainly going to plunge right into it. Before I move on, participation, of course, helping uh, Canada celebrate 150 years by presenting 150 ways to stay fit. And this week's or today's uh, suggestion for you is Shoreline Community Cleanup, which is what you could do this weekend, right? Not a single cloud out there. Wow, is that picture perfect. Now, we are talking about a mini heat wave, though. We are urging everyone to be careful because this is the first big heat that we'll see of the season. 32-plus degrees expected across the south coast, and that's mostly away from the water. It's usually a little cooler near the water. And then those of you in the interior, 35 degrees plus. So we are expecting to break records. You'll want to tune in this weekend to see what some of the numbers are. But it means a dangerous heat. Here's a look at what it would be like inside a car after 10 minutes. So even if you're by the water where it's cooler, 31 degrees after 10 minutes. And if you're away from the water with the heat we're expecting this weekend, 46 degrees in just 10 minutes. And I had a look at the numbers. If it's a 30 minutes, it's 40, sorry, uh, 54 degrees in 30 minutes. So if you think you're just going to slip into the store and come out quickly, that's how much heat could uh, happen in just that short amount of time. All right, Remax satellite showing a low pressure center moving into the north coast. So for those of you there, cloud and showers, whereas the rest of us will enjoy this nice upper level ridge. There's the showers that are expected. Terrace is just through the afternoon hours. And in fact, Smithers, you're expecting dry conditions, but mainly cloudy skies and 24 degrees. Sunshine in the interior, central interior regions and all across the south. But tomorrow is just the start of the heat. Keep that in mind. Sunday, even hotter. So we're talking about mid to upper 30 through your Sunday afternoon. Those are your Saturdays, and this is your Saturday temperatures. Again, even hotter Sunday. So there's a five-day forecast for Metro Vancouver. We are going to see the temperatures moderate a little bit on Monday, but still nice and sunny, which is terrific. Happy birthday to Rebecca Irwin. She celebrated 102 years today from my hometown in White Rock. Congratulations. And tonight's weather window, spectacular sunset shot from Graham Nolan, looking from Port uh, Moody towards, of course, Mount Baker. Thanks, Graham, for that one. And here's a look back. Lots of sunset shots and sun, sunny shots this week. And, of course, we had our We Love Water Wednesday photo and uh, two grizzly uh, cubs, actually, and I picked that shot. So congratulations to Nelson for your great photo of the grizzly cubs in Bella Coola. Bears in profile, mm-hmm. or at least one of them anyway. Thanks very much, Christy. Great submissions this week. Well, it once divided a community, and now it can be yours. The Cube House in Vancouver's Point Grey neighborhood is up for sale for $14 million. The home's modern, austere exterior drew a lot of controversy. But now, as Nadia Stewart reports, some neighbors have warmed up to its unique design. So what we have here is a 
Um, holes through a stainless steel landing. and the A steady stream of potential buyers, architects and looky-loos tour the newest addition to the Golden Mile, a cube-shaped house. It's five foot high, so there's a lot of uh, privacy from the street. And that's why it looks like a two-story building. There's the glass base and then a solid top, but actually there's three stories inside. And long before it was finished, it was the centre of a heated debate. Someone from the Caribou phoned my office at seven in the morning to say I should go to architecture school. I didn't want to tell him that I actually taught there, but still. Vancouver architect Tony Robbins says the design was inspired by 60s minimalism. Everything inside and outside, this $14 million home is custom designed. But from day one, it's odd shape, ruffled feathers. Reviews are still mixed. The material is absolutely beautiful and the workmanship is amazing. I don't care for the house. I think there's so many gorgeous houses, and in, in especially along the street, that not for my taste. But I guarantee someone will, someone will pop it, someone will snap it up, and they'll absolutely love it. The house is going to attract somebody who has an eye for art, somebody who likes fine things, you know, beautiful details, fine finishes. There's plenty of interest in the two-bedroom home, but Robbins is more excited about the possibilities. It's a really good time for architects. We're really able to. Um, to begin to, to challenge what there is currently in Vancouver and to, to do more modern work. The kind of work that does not go unnoticed. Nadia Stewart, Global News. A gorilla at the Dallas Zoo has become an online hit thanks to his funky moves. Zolo was doing an enrichment session in the big blue pool when he decided to get down. Check it out. He starts off slow. Zola is a maniac. Staff say his flash dance-like moves are play behavior, showing the 14-year-old ape is happy and comfortable in his environment. And in fact, he has done this before. Check it out. Zola also grabbed worldwide attention back in 2011 when he showed his moves at the Calgary Zoo, where he lived at that time. He was just nine years old then, but he's still proven that he's still got it. <laughs> Likes it. He likes splashing around in water. That's awesome. You're sure that's not a guy in a gorilla suit? Pretty sure. Uh, pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure. All right. Uh, wow, what a beautiful forecast. Gorgeous yes. sunshine. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. So it is pretty exciting, but it was really exciting this morning on the morning show mm-hmm. where we announced the uh, winners of the BCAA Play Here contest. And the applicants were so good this year that they decided to award Four winners, and they all get a revitalization play space of up to $100,000. Here they are. So the first winner of a $100,000 play space revitalization is McKay Street Park in Prince Rupert. (laughs) And there they are. BCAA is so proud to announce that Bushy Lake has won. (laughs) So BCAA is so proud to award a $100,000 play space revitalization to Marion Schilling Elementary in Cambridge. Full revitalization to Galliano Community School on Galliano Island. (laughs) More people are screaming. That's great. Just amazing for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. very exciting. So they'll uh, they'll get a brand new play space, and some of them look pretty dingy. It was amazing. Yeah. Glad they get get it figured out. Pretty um, 
excited for a little revitalization of the Vancouver Canucks, yes. too, hey? Yes, yes, the NHL draft day, of course. Been a big, actually been a big day for the Scandinavians, and that's the way the Canucks went, maybe not surprisingly. There's still to come, draft day in the NHL. And with our first selection, we select from Tim Roth. The Canucks go to familiar territory, hoping this young Swede is comfortable in his new home. And for the Jersey Shore, a milestone in the recovery from Superstorm Sandy. Watch this. That goes for the ball, holding the baby, misses the ball, hangs onto the baby. The mom, oh, he got the ball. The mom oh. takes the baby. You are not qualified to hold the baby anymore. <laughs> Quite the catch at oh, Dodger Stadium by a Mets fan. Not sure mom thinks so, though. Dad was holding the baby when the foul ball came his way. And, uh, well, as you saw, he didn't miss it. But mom grabbed the baby, looking not too impressed. <laughs> How dare you? Like, they still got the baby and the ball. So If you read her. lips, though, the husband is saying, but honey, I, I got a baseball. Yeah, right. I got it's a just super. not resonating with her at this point. Maybe later on, you know, when the baby grows up. Right. Barry DeLay in for uh, Squire. Take mm-hmm. it away. Big day for the Actually, Canucks. Squire is going to make a bit of an appearance on this show in an wow. odd way. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll explain in a second. All right. Thanks, uh, yeah, Chris. It's no secret the better the Canucks draft, the quicker the rebuild takes shape. And perhaps in a few years' time, they will be a cup contender again. That seems a long way off, but you've got to start somewhere. And tonight at the NHL draft in Chicago, Jim Benning hung on to his fifth overall selection and went with a dependable Swede again. And with our first selection, we select from Tamra Elias Peterson. 165 pounds, six foot one, but not a lot of weight there. Played in the second division in Sweden. As you heard, Peterson played second division in Sweden against men, still finished ninth in league scoring, 41 points in 43 games. The Canucks really feel once he gets bigger, he will not only be a dynamic skater and a playmaker, but he's also got some edge to him as well. And as a center, he will have Henrik Sedin as a mentor, which is not a bad thing. And on Twitter, people are saying, hey, that, that guy looks a lot like Squire. Does he? Well, a little bit. He's a lot taller, but they're about the same, uh, same body type. Meanwhile, the reaction at the Canuck draft party at Rogers Arena was, well, not much of one. I think many fans had not really heard of Peterson. I think they're just happy the draft was done, or maybe the camera was in their face. But he's a skilled centerman, which was an area the Canucks absolutely needed to address. And here's a little more you should know about Elias Peterson. He played the season with Jonathan Dahlin, who the Canucks got from Ottawa in the Alex Burroughs trade. So perhaps those two will team up to be a dynamic duo one day. He's uh, obviously a little light right now, but he'll be good size in a couple of years. I would not expect him to make the roster for at least a couple of years till he fills out. But the scouting report is that he does everything very well and he's got good speed to go with the hands. So hopefully this was a good selection. Meanwhile, not much of a surprise at the very top of the draft. New Jersey won the draft lottery, therefore they went first. They took dynamic forward Nico Heischer. He becomes the first Swiss player to ever be drafted number one. And with the number two pick, 
the Philadelphia Flyers took Nolan Patrick. He's also a great scorer, Brandon, of the Western League, but has had injury issues the past year, specifically a sports hernia, so that could be a concern down the road. The uh, top local selection, Surrey's Michael Rasmussen, went ninth overall to the Red Wings. Big man, six foot five, with very good hands. We'll see if he's a guy maybe the Canucks should have went to. I guess we're not going to know that for a few years. Now, where there were some uh, trades before the draft, the Blackhawks made two of them, sending Russian Artini, Artemi Panarin to uh, Columbus for Brandon Saad. Of course, Saad is a former Blackhawk, but had to be traded a couple of years ago to clear cap space. Chicago also sent defenseman Nick Jarmelson to Arizona for defenseman Connor Murphy and a prospect. And later on, the Rangers sent Derek Stepan to Arizona for the seventh overall pick. While the Lions are just over 24 hours away from their season opener tomorrow night at BC Place against the Eskimos, the CFL West is stacked with strong teams, and the Lions will meet one of them tomorrow. BC is very capable of winning the division. They feel they are improved from a year ago, getting even more dynamic on offense. All the versatility we have and, and all the depth we have, uh, all the fireworks we, we have on offense, it's going to be really fun. Uh, I'm excited to see those guys. I'm excited about my knowledge of the offense. You know, another year under the system of Kahari, uh, really understanding things a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm not going to be perfect, but uh, I'm continuing to grow, continuing to learn, and I'm excited about what these guys have, have to offer on the offensive side of football. You know, I, I really think that we just have a pure team. And what I mean by that is is uh, when we were all younger and playing, you know, Pop Warner in high school, you just you had this love for football. And, and when you come out here on the field, you just see these guys, uh, maybe it's because I'm an old guy looking down at these young guys now, but, but everyone just has a real passion for it. Um, and there's no, there's no bad apples. There's no one all about me. Everyone's about the team. And it's just pure, honest football. And, and uh, you know, when you win a championship, it's not because you have the fastest or strongest guys. It's because you have the, the guys that care about each other and that can work together. And, and we got some purity here, and I think we'll be good. All right, CFL tonight, a Grey Cup rematch. Stampeders and Red Blacks from Ottawa, second quarter. Ottawa gets the first touchdown of the game. Trevor Harris drops the snap but picks it back up, finds Greg Ellingson in the end zone for the touchdown. It was 11-11 at the half, and they're still tied 14-14 late in the third. The Whitecaps play their next two on the road tomorrow night in Minnesota and then July 1st in Chicago, but they will be without their captain for at least that long. Defender Kendall Waston had surgery to repair his fractured right hand today and will miss at least two to three weeks before resuming training. Waston injured himself uh, last week playing for Costa Rica in World Cup qualifying. He's also got a hip strain that he'll be rehabbing as well. They'll miss his big body and leadership at the back. Second round of the Travelers Championship from Connecticut and uh, Jordan Spieth, who's had an up and down year, certainly up the last couple of days, 63 in the first round yesterday, and then this bomb of a birdie to help shoot one under 69. He's still got the lead at eight under. Canada's Graham Dillette did have the lead at nine under through 12, but then a couple of double bogeys, this one on 18 after some problems out of the bunker, so he's eight, three back to the lead. Adam Hadwin made the cut. Nick Taylor missed it at plus six, third round, right here, 1230 tomorrow on Global. There you go. Good watching. If you if you hit the couch, if you <laughs> yes, can hit the couch a lot tomorrow. Going on. Well, it's going to be hot. Yeah, might as well sit in the AC, watch some golf. Good advice. Thanks very much, Barry. All right, here's Andrew now. The preview of what's coming up on Global News at eleven. And 
Thanks, Chris. And a coalition representing homeless people in Vancouver says members plan to show up at a $350 a person NDP fundraising dinner tonight. They want to see more social housing. And we're watching the mercury tonight. Hot temperatures are expected for the weekend. Environment Canada has issued a special weather statement for Metro Vancouver telling people to watch out for themselves and their pets. We'll have those stories and the rest of the day's news tonight on Global News at 11. Chris. Okay, thanks very much, Anne. And when we come back, Hurricane Sandy did a number on the Jersey Shore, but they just reached a milestone in their recovery. That's coming up next. It's an image that captured the apocalyptic impact of Hurricane Sandy. The superstorm destroyed the Jersey Shore, seemingly dragging that iconic roller coaster out to sea. Well, it's now been five years, and finally the boardwalk is back to its former glory, maybe even better than it was before. The sights and sounds and screams of summer are back in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Just five years ago, Superstorm Sandy ravaged the Jersey Shore, leaving behind some $70 billion in damage to homes and livelihoods. The roller coaster now in the Atlantic Ocean. The swamped Jetstar roller coaster, a monument to Sandy's devastation. As someone who grew up here, what'd that do to you? Well, it was pretty shocking to see. It was devastating. Frank Storino's family has operated amusements on the Jersey Shore for decades and was determined to rebuild. We knew we had a big job ahead of us and we were set on doing it. The beach and boardwalk with the arcades and rides restored. For safety reasons, stretching along the shore instead of out into the ocean. And replacing the Jet Star, a new icon hovers above. The Hydrus, with even more twists and turns than the old coaster. You were sitting beside me. What did you think? It was really scary. <laughs> He's right. We were all really sad when I was wrecked, but now that it's back, it's really fun. And while the recovery for many continues, this new symbol means something. When everyone saw the roller coaster in the ocean after the hurricane, it just kind of symbolized how bad things were. And now that we see something new up, it just shows that the Jersey Shore is back. Back in all its loud and colorful glory. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Hydrus. A little bit terrifying, but (laughs) thrilling. At the same Always time. avoid uh, the chili dogs. Uh, <laughs> I think so. The worst part is that it's just strapped around here. Like I like it when they're strapped around your shoulders. Yeah. You feel more secure. I've always Ooh. had a hard time too tall getting in there. So those things <laughs> always feel like they're going to pop open. But right. uh, it's going to be hot on the tarmac. If you go to Playland or anywhere else, uh, be aware of that, I guess, this weekend. That's right. So the peak of the heat on Sunday. But still, I mean, 32 degrees Saturday for areas away from the water. 33 on Sunday. We could break records. UV.